Well, guys, thank you so much for being here in episode one of the Dad's Roundtable. I have a unique privilege of knowing some really solid dads, some guys who have mentored me, uh, who really have taught me and shown me in practical ways how to raise and discipline your kids in uh, love and, and affection for the Lord. Now, I just want to say up front, none of those guys were available today. <laughs> yeah, why'd you bring us? So, yeah, they're not, yeah, they weren't available. So, so I, want, I really want to thank you for stepping in. No, honestly, honestly, I've gotten to know each of you personally over the years. And if we weren't even recording this, I would value the time to sit, sit around and have a cup of coffee with you and talk about the things, uh, what it means to be a dad and how to raise kids in a godly way in a Christ-centered home. So, well, today's topic, it's kind of a big one. I, I would say if you're a rookie or if you've been in the game a long time, um, <laughs> that this question, yes, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the seasoned dad versus the rookie, uh, I think we all ask the same question, and that is, how do I have a work-life balance? And I think as we're growing in our careers, as we're growing our family, and as we're kind of uh, taking on new roles as a dad— that's a constant question we have regardless of the age. And we'll talk about seasons in a little bit, but regardless of the age of the kids or where I'm at career-wise, that topic and that, that question is going to come up. So, Mark, you're going to bat lead off for us today. So I have the opening question for Mark, and that's how do you determine what you put first in life? Because you weren't always the crossings location pastor at, at, at our Edmond uh, location. Uh, you had another life. You traveled quite a bit, and uh, you have two kiddos. So how did you determine what to put first in life? Well, I think, man, I, I screwed it up a bunch. So I know I, I learned from, from mistakes and from other people. And yeah, I, so I, was, I worked for the NBA. I was with the Seattle Supersonics. I think you all know that. And then that team was sold and moved here, became the Thunder. And when I, so I, I started mascotting. I didn't have kids yet. Uh, when we moved here in 2008, I had a two-year-old and a three-year-old, uh, Samuel and Meredith. And um, and then throughout my career, yeah, I traveled quite a bit with the team. I, I you know, I, I was performing at the the games, on, you know, 50 about 50 games a year, and then doing about 250 appearances a year on top of that. So you know, it's it was pretty much nonstop, a lot of fun. And, and that was almost, you know, my passion was performing and um, being creative in that way. So I, I kind of, I got to kind of live my hobby throughout my work. So it, it was a, a struggle because I really liked to work. And there was plenty of work. I could, I could work as long as I wanted to. Uh, I had to say no. Um, it wasn't, that work was um, not plentiful. Uh, and then later on in my career, um, I started other businesses, and so I started trampoline parks. So I started building those businesses while I was still mascotting. And um, so, yeah, work-life balance and um, parenting was a, a pretty big struggle for me. But my wife and I, Aaron, when we were, we were teaching a Sunday school class at the, at the OKC location for uh, newly marrieds, and that was right after I finished with the Thunder. I started working with a nonprofit, um, and this one— thing kept coming up in our class that uh, we always put, if we put God first, that everything else will start to fall into place. And I, I kept drawing this, uh, this sign. It's just like a you know, little pyramid that, that if we put God on top, I'm on one side, Aaron's on the other. If I'm trying to get closer to Aaron, I need to seek God first. 
if I'm trying to be a better parent, my kids are on one side, I'm on the other, and as I'm seeking God, I can get closer to them. And it, it's all based off of the Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his mm. righteousness, yeah. and all these things will be added to you as well or given to you as well. And it's not that promise of, you know, everything's going to be perfect because we're still going to still going to get sick and still have money issues and uh, my wife and I are still going to have conflicts and all that still happens. But my my identity and my um, my value doesn't come from parenting. It doesn't come from how good my kids are or how bad they are. Uh, ultimately, it's that relationship that I have with God. So I really, focusing on that, I, you guys have heard that analogy, putting the the oxygen mask on oh, yourself yeah, first. Yeah, right. I mean, that's that's really, to me, our oxygen should be coming from God, not from my kids or from my wife or from my work. So if I'm always going to God first, and, and the way that that, the way I do that is, you know, attending church regularly. Uh, I have a quiet time in the morning, and I'm not a morning person, so that's been a, a struggle for me for my entire life. Um, and then surrounding myself with guys. I've got a, a men's group that I've been going to for 10 years now, same guys, probably longer than that. It's probably been 12 years. We meet Friday mornings, and um, they help keep me accountable, and, uh, and I get to hear where they're struggling and where they're doing well and learn from them. So, And I think that's the key for dads, well, guys in general, just men that need close enough friends that we've given them permission to call us out. Or not, not call, maybe that's too harsh. Maybe call us out is too harsh, but really it's just an acknowledgement of, hey, you might need to check this area of life. Because I think, we, I mean, your story kind of reminds me of the, the Genesis passage. I mean, we were created to work in Genesis 1 and 2, that's part of God's creation was us to work. But then the fall happened in Genesis 3. So on this side of chapter 3 in Genesis, there's labor, there's toil, and really what it becomes is idol worship. And so I love that little, that tattoo. I mean, I love the, the drawing of who is at the top, what is at the top, because ultimately that's going to be idol worship. It could be my wife, it could be my hobby, it could be my work, but making sure who is at the throne is appropriate to handle it. So Yeah, and I forget that so quickly. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I have to, to put this on myself somewhere. Yeah. You know, I, I quickly forget it. So right. it's a good reminder. Well, you know, finances are such a, a key role, especially in the culture that we live in. And it can feel like the prime motivation is like, no, I'm trying to provide for my family. I'm trying to provide for my wife. It's like, I work so much because I love you so much is, is kind of that, that weird thing. And it's, it's difficult to self-diagnose, which is why it's nice to have some other people that can speak into your life and help you understand what it is that your, your motivations are or maybe where they're coming awry. Um, and so it's just kind of interesting, and it's hard sometimes to put God first. Um, one of the things I like to think about is um, no matter what field you work in, no matter what you're doing, God is the foremost expert in whatever it is. And so if it's medicine, um, he knows more about medicine than, than what you do or psychology or accounting, math, whatever it is. He's, he's the originator of all of those things. And I, I came across that in, in a book a while back. I can't even cite it. But it changed my perspective on going to God is that he doesn't, it's not that he doesn't know or isn't, but he's the foremost expert in whatever it is I'm facing. And even if I don't have a problem with it, he's got some great way to weigh in on that. 
Um, and so we, we, we can compartmentalize our lives, what good or bad, um, is that he's the foremost expert in any compartment that we're working in or striving for. So good. Yeah. Well, I know I had, I'll jump into a dad fail real quick because yeah. in this area specifically, I remember, uh, there, I, I remember three specific times where Aaron sat me down uh, and when their kids were young and it, it was during really busy seasons of life where, uh, you know, it might be the playoffs where you just can't schedule anything. You don't know when the next game's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we going to run out of town? Are we staying? You know, all that different stuff. And she would just stop me and like, okay, I feel like I'm doing this alone. I, I didn't sign up to be a, a single parent. Right. I, I signed right. up to do this with you. And and it was tough. You know, the first time she did that, I was very defensive. And like, right. just like you said, I I can, you know, just kind of rationalize my way through things. Hey, well, this is the playoffs. I mean, this is where we're going to get the extra bonus. It's going to pay for right. the, the kids to go to private school or go to on our vacation or pay off that, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to rationalize things, but uh, to really to, to lean in and understand she's doing that out of love for me and for her kids, our kids, that she sees you're not here for, for them. You're off living your life, but we want to be part of that. And it's not a huge, like, you don't have to, I didn't have to stop going to work. I mean, that was, I couldn't stop going to work, or, uh, but it was just those intentional times when I've come home that I'm spending time with them uh, when we're having dinner, I'm thinking about them and I'm not on my phone. I can actually put that away for, you know, that those 20 minutes. What's 20 minutes? They, I can get by with that. It didn't feel like that in the moment. But, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, it, but I needed her to to step in. It, and that it wasn't my guy friends, no knock on them, but it wasn't them who were calling me out during that time. Well, they wouldn't really be able to her. see that anyway, right. um, especially unless you're just really revealing. But I think that pay attention to your anxieties or pay attention to your defensiveness because that kind of exposes some of those areas in which that you're, you might need to reevaluate or you're to think about. Um, and so that self-diagnosis is, am I being defensive about this? Maybe, maybe I should, should, should pray about that. And it might take a few times to be able to really see that in, in the fact that you're being defensive towards something. Yeah, and as a couple too, like I think it's important, even though you know you're married, you you want to give permission to your spouse to go, like, you have full, you know, uh, ability to yeah call me out. But we called it the other day in a conversation, like the soft entry. What was the term? Soft start. The soft starts. You know, of like, what's our soft start? Because you you know me best, and so you know to be able to call out what you're seeing if if I have an unhealthy balance, and I think. We've got to give our spouses that permission. Yeah. And I think that comes with maturity in your marriage with your spouse because, uh, you know, talk about fails. You know, as a young married, I was trying to do my best to climb the corporate ladder, right, go to school, uh, coach my son's baseball team, and also lead a small group with my wife. And um, I reminded of a story one time when she, and this is, you know, a huge fail, is um, she was always um, missing the girls' nights with the small group because I was so busy with work, school, um, coaching, and preparing for small groups with her. And uh, I was on a baseball field one day, uh, one night with coaching my son's team, and uh, my wife comes out and literally hands me our two-year-old daughter, <laughs> right? And she walks off and says, I'm going to girls' night. <clears throat> and so I was like, just sitting there, okay, well, all right, I'll 
supposed to be a dad right now. So I was getting my priorities mixed up. And so I ended up um, stepping away from leading a small group. I shouldn't have stopped doing the small groups. Um, I should have stopped doing the coaching the baseball, mm -hmm. right? Um, but in my mind, I was like, I'm supposed to be here for my son right now, or this is really what I want to do. But in actuality, it was me. I was being selfish. I wanted to coach baseball instead of lead a small group. Mm. Yeah, and, I, and back to your story, I think that would, uh, as it relates to that scenario, the acknowledgement and just talking it through with my wife, just acknowledging the fact that you have not gone to group in a long time. I've been doing this. Right. How are we? Like, let's mm -hmm. take the temperature of the room. Let's see where we, okay, we're all, we all know that that cannot sustain. <clears throat> so what's the plan going forward? I think that's, that's helped me just to acknowledge things and say them out loud to make sure, okay, I'm, Perceiving there might be a problem here, right. Right. <laughs> maybe I should adjust something. Uh, but I, but I just think saying things out loud and knowing those com different compartments—maybe that's a bad word for it—but different elements of life and making sure that we keep in balance. And uh, Michael and I were talking the other day about the spokes, that spoke analogy, yeah. where you have different elements of life. Let's, there's there's family, mm -hmm. family, career, finances, health, your spiritual uh, life mental health, uh, friends, hobbies, relationships, even extended family. Those are all like little different compartments and places um, that, that we spend time. And I like to think about it as like you have so many hours or so many chips or so many whatever it is to spend in each one of those areas. And there are definitely seasons in which you kind of have to reallocate, but you really want to kind of have a holistic idea. So if you, if you plot each one of those categories on a circle plot, you know, one to 10, how are you in that specific area? Um, I remember going through this exercise and so easy, it was like work, 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 work. I was a 10. And then I'd borrowed from, you know, my my relationship with my, my family, my wife specifically, and that was really low. And then there were some other areas where I was high. I was actually able to participate in a hobby. It was, and, and you basically connect all the dots on the circle plot. And he's like, hey, throw that on a car. How fast will you be able to go? I was like, it might be able to move, but it's not going to go fast. Clunky, yeah. Um, yeah. And I kind of had to get to the point where I recognized my abilities and my really my limitations on the fact that I couldn't be a 10 in every single area all the time. And I actually got to the point where I'm like, maybe I'm a three. I can, I can maintain three in all these areas without overrunning myself or borrowing from other places. And so to be able to look at, and, and balance isn't necessarily what we're, what we're fully striving for or going after, but I think it's a healthy balance. Is that it's not going to be perfectly round all the time, but it's going to have to move the car forward um, or else there's going to be damage. Um, and that damage comes at our own expense. And I think as dads, we're like, oh, I'm going to sacrifice myself for my family until you don't anymore. And you look back and it's just in, in tatters and shreds. And you have to go back and, and do the hard work of rebuilding, apologizing, mending, reconciliation for whatever it is that went through that period where you thought you were Superman, you were more than a human. Um, and to be right-sized on, on who we are as people, as men, I'm a three-talent guy, or one-talent guy, really. Um, and I can, I can maintain some, some, some good pieces in each one of those areas. And, you know, I think it's, we talk about compartmentalization. You probably don't want to say, okay, this is the only piece here, this is the only piece here, and they don't touch. 
um, is that they do overlap in a lot of different places and areas. And so they're, they're definitely connected. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm big on self-diagnosis or allowing someone else to kind of speak into those pieces. And so how can you really identify those areas in which maybe you need to work on or maybe you need to let go of um, even? So, Well, it's the old saying that if you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And I, I like the spoke analogy. I mean, it's like a bicycle wheel, you know, so each spoke is zero to ten. And when I went, through, I went uh, to a counselor and he walked me through that exercise and it helps in those conversations like y'all were talking about. Like it helps to bring it as a tool to say, all right, here's where I'm at on these spokes of life. And understanding my expectation myself is I cannot be a 10 out of 10 on everything. But also three out of 10 on everything may not be best either because there's gonna be seasons where work is gonna get a lot of pressure. So when that wheel turns and that spoke is hitting the ground, it's gonna need, it's gonna feel a lot of pressure that I might have to work during the playoffs or travel a lot, depending on what the season is, but just making sure that I'm constantly evaluating and checking on that. And you had a good story about seasons, how seasons of life will actually determine the, that scale of one to 10. It may at least have input yeah, into what you need yeah, to do. Absolutely. You know, um, you know, depending on the season of life, whether if you have smaller kids at home, um, you know, your priorities may look a little different than um, as they get older, you know, I've got a, a 26-year-old and a, and a 19-year-old and a 16-year-old. So this season of life looks way different than whenever they were a lot younger. And, um, you know, I could work a little bit more without having a huge impact on them, right? Um, but it's, it, it just, it's just one of those things where you, you have those seasons of life and you are able to adjust your priorities um, depending on uh, the kids' ages, right? And then yeah. that, that even helps with your, with your marriage and, and giving them a, a break whenever you have the freedom to invest in, in those kids at that time. Yeah, I love yeah, that. I think, too, it's a, a, a lot of it's about communication. So there's, there are those times where, like, you know, the playoffs where my, that spoke of work is going to be too big. But am I aware of that? Yes. So do I, do I realize that? So I know it, this is something's going to be off for a little while. And have I communicated that to my kids? Have I communicated that to my, my wife? You know, we normally, if we're ha- normally having breakfast together as a family, we, we don't, that, I, we don't do that. So if, it's like the yeah. sitcom. That would be really cool. You got your newspaper out. Together, yes, reading. we did that your, my whole your life. Eggs. Yeah, no. We, we, we did that for a very short season of time. We actually did that. It was awesome, but it didn't last. Sounds awful to me. Yeah, no, it, was, it was great. But, but then you can start to t- tell your kids, like, hey, I'm not going to be there tonight for your basketball game or right. whatever it is. I have to be at work, and I would, I would rather be there with you, and I yeah. you know, want to be there for that. But this is part of work, and mm-hmm. I'm, I've got to do this. Um, but communicating that with your kids and with your, your spouse is and even how you might make part. up. For that, you know, I think Andy Stanley talks about making, taking revenge for your family whenever work gets out of balance. And he was talking in context of the church sometimes, but I think it's also, it reminds me of like that conversation with your kids going, hey, I'm missing this, but you know what? When I get home, we're going to have a special time. We're going to like redeploy that energy um, back in uh, to those relationships. I think an important thing too, just kind of came in my mind about work is um, we don't want our kids to think work is a bad thing too. So I don't want to use that as an excuse and always like, hey, I, I, I wish I could be there, but I have to go to work. And oh, I just hate going to work and I'm going to miss time with you. And 
while that's true a lot of times, I don't want my kids then to dread like, oh, I don't want, when I get older, I don't want to go to work because I'm going to miss yeah. out on these other things. It's right. like, we're designed to work, mm-hmm. but even being a mascot and like having incredible experiences and doing all this stuff, there, I still had to go and be there according to someone else's schedule. Right. Right. And it felt like work, you know? And uh, so, but it was still, we're called to do that. We're, we're designed to work and I don't want my kids to, to dread that. Or even like with a, a marital relationship, if if it's if there's tension between you and your your spouse, you don't want to pass that on to your kids and they're like, oh, I don't want to be married. This is <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah. I think the three things that are on a dad's job description is one is to provide. That is part of what we do as a dad is to provide, is to love sacrificially, and it's also to set a spiritual climate. So I think just making sure that we're not putting all of our time and energy on that providing bucket and saying, well, that's my job. I'm here to provide. Then that's the excuse. That's the catch-all for all of my decision-making. Then I might neglect the other two, which to sacrificially love might mean I got to give up something. I give up my preferences to do what you just said. I love it. So how did you say that? To... uh, to take revenge. Take revenge on, on the time. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a an amazing. That, I love the. I love thinking about it in that way. Yeah. That I'm going to revenge that time, yeah. because now and that might require me to give up something sacrificially that I would prefer right. to do. Yeah. Honestly, and it you know. Volumes to yeah. Relationship. Right? Yeah. You know. One of the one of the most interesting pieces of advice that was super helpful for us early on when we had young kids was to pay attention to the seasons that you're in. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that seasons are very important, but they can also be really dangerous too in the fact that it, a season can turn into a new normal really quickly. And so some good advice that someone told us um, is that put your a, a date on the calendar. So playoffs is really easy. It's like when they lose, it's not going to go past June. Like right. we know that it's going to be done by this point in time. But a lot of the time you're putting extra hours in at work for something season right. and that season lasts longer right. and lasts longer, it becomes a new normal. And so you've borrowed from another bucket to, right. to throw in or a spoke to throw in on something else. And it just, you never are able to take revenge back. And so what, what they were telling us to do is to put in a date on your calendar and make an evaluation. Is this season coming to a close or is it finished yet? Um, and really have it. So you have the conversations ahead of time, but you also make sure that you're tracking the progress for that season itself, because those seasons really do turn into new normals really, really quickly. And that happens on on a lot of different levels or places. It's just for now, I need to spend more more time at work. Well, how much longer is this going to happen? Because I don't see any end to it. Is that maybe you need to make some readjustments in what you're doing at work or what you're doing at home or in, anywhere in between. That's a good word. Uh, now, I think the work-life balance, that's a natural um, or an easy thing to evaluate. I think none of us want to be workaholics. Like, we don't want that label on us. As much as we like to work or as much as we want to go to work, uh, that's not healthy. We all know that. But also, on the flip side, there are hobbies and passions that we take on. Like, for me, just get me on a water somewhere with a fishing pole, and I will check out. Like, that. It really, it truly is a spiritual exercise for me. I've had a lot, I've had a lot of God moments. I know I've had a lot of God moments on the water, you know. But, but not to idolize that side of it either. And I think Scott, you've done a really good job of taking a passion and a hobby. I mean, I mean, it's become more more than just a hobby. But Bartlow's Barbecue, 
on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, that's, that's a plug. That's, one, that's your one plug. plug yeah, yeah. Well, we're, I'm kind of like, next time we do this, can you get us like a platter of your barbecue? Oh, yeah, that would have been... Yeah. I already cooked it for you. It's nice. Ready to oh, go. nice. Okay. Well, I, I think that's a really good example. And I love your stories of how you've approached that because it didn't, you didn't start out that hobby or that passion with where you're at today. So what are some stories or some learnings that you had along the way? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, you know, I started my hobby for barbecue. Actually, a mentor a long time ago was like, you know, Scott, I think it's important to have have a hobby that you have to kind of exercise, uh, you know, your, your whole being, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> I tried all sorts of things. I, I, I ran a marathon once, nice. kind of one and done, <laughs> 10, 10, 10, and did it in Chicago, never did that again. Uh, so, but then I started, you know, I, I love food. <laughs> And I love grilling. I like barbecue. So uh, you couldn't have gone like to the more yeah, opposite. I know. <laughs> you know, I'm running now. I'm eating. I'm just saying. I, I kind of got the all-in personality. So when I did the bike thing, I did the whole spandex thing. I, I literally in Chicago was wearing that, and I had teenagers mocking me on the streets, and I was like, I am done with this hobby. But are you wearing are you wearing hokas while you're grilling? Like if you're wearing running yeah. shoes while you're it, it counts. It's fine. It counts. Yeah. So yeah, I, I found one that I really enjoy and it's cooking and grilling and barbecue and and it started as a hobby for sure and one that I just really enjoy. And and for me where I kind of think about the life, uh, healthy life balance with with barbecues, I think about this book I read years ago. Uh, by Brother Lawrence, and he talks about practicing the presence of God. And so he was a dishwasher uh, as a monk, and it was such a mundane job. And so what he learned, he started writing about, is how he started experiencing the presence of God in the ordinary, everyday things. That was a framework, you know, just changed the way I thought about how I view my hobby. Is for me, I, it's not a segmented, you know, thing in my life. It's it's something I do for sure on the side, but I see it as a way of experiencing God's presence uh, through something that He's allowed me to enjoy. Like you steward the gifts He's given you, and you're stewarding the creation that He has. And so, anyways, for me, it's just an it's integrated into the way I view things, and that was a framework that really was super helpful. Just practicing His presence through. Yeah, and I love how you integrate what you were talking about, compartmentalizing, you know, we have different things going on, but I think you do a great job of kind of bringing that hobby and your family time together, because I know your kids are packing up envelopes and sending out the stuff, and your wife's helping fulfill orders, and so it's a time where you guys can, you're, it's a hobby, but you're also getting family time and quality time together. Yeah, it's turned into like the hobby a little, like, I like to call it my, my holy hustle. Because uh, <laughs> it started there and then it just started t- developing and growing the social media. It turned into kind of a fun barbecue business with selling a rub, teaching barbecue classes. But this, this world has, as a pastor, has also connected me to more people outside of the church than I ever imagined. And so for me, it's like loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. So it's connecting me to God and to people, and it's just kind of full circle to be able to enjoy something personally, but yet connect me to other people, my family. I have my daughters as taste testers and videos. Uh, to yeah, it's a family venture. So try to keep that in balance. But I think where it can go really unhealthy is which we've talked about before is where a hobby can become an idol. Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of struck that balance. I was, you know, 
being a pastor and, and you know, I've got two daughters, 10 and seven, and married, and you want to have a healthy, balanced life, it's, it can get away from you if you're not careful. And so I've given that permission to my wife, Brooke, to, hey, and, like, we do this together, but if at any point you feel like something's unbalanced, same thing with my kids. Like, let's talk about it. Yeah. Well, I love that you're very purposeful about the approach to the hobby, which is, I I feel like hobby is kind of cheapening it. Like this, this is a legit side gig that you have going on that just grew. And it, that was not the, the purpose of it. But now you're very purposeful of bringing in the kids and your wife. And I, I have friends who go on hunting trips and fishing trips, and they use that as a time to bring their son or their daughter. And they're very purposeful about, no, this is, this is dad time. And we can have some conversations when we're both looking at the water, throwing a rod, you know, throwing a lure in the, in the water that we normally wouldn't have. But this is, there's going to be a purpose to this. And I think that's a good idea uh, or a good thought to approach our leisure time. And I was thinking about leisure versus laziness yeah. and how leisure um, is actually this uh, release or this resting in God and trusting that He has fully done what He needs to do. And I've fully done my requirements to work. And I can actually take rest in Him knowing that He's in control Versus laziness is that testing of God. So if leisure is rest, lazy would be a test, saying, God, I'm going to test you. If you're a good God who, who loves me, your kid, I'm going to test you, and you're going to prove it to me. That's not what we're called to do. We are called to rest, and we're called to work, but we're not called to be lazy. And so I, I, I think of that in the, you know, the, the spokes of the tire. Anything that has to do with my passion or hobby or my uh, unplugging or resting making sure I'm purposeful about it. And it's not just me zoning out, uh, you know, watching four hours of movies. You know? And I think that's an important distinction. You yeah. Know? yeah, no, I think it's, you don't want your hobbies to remove you from a chaotic life because you feel like you need to disconnect for that purpose. I mean, it's important. We need hobbies to, to separate in a healthy, balanced way, but if it's just, just to disconnect to something that's unhealthy, yeah then all of a sudden that does become in that idle place because now you're, you're putting all the energy and time into something and you're making it more than it should be. And I think that's where a good distinction as well is that, you know, the, our spiritual life and our life, it's all integrated. You know, it's, yeah. we don't do spiritual things, we're spiritual beings, mm -hmm. you know, and that's a distinction of how we in, encounter family and hobbies. It's like, no, this, Everything is spiritual in what we're doing, who he's calling us to become. So we should view it the way that you're discussing. Yeah, so hobbies, I, I really feel like, need to be, um, are, are really important because it helps us recharge, right? So yeah. we are busy being dads and, and husbands, right? And, and we're trying to be there for our kids and our spouses um, every time, any chance we get. But if we don't have that ability to step away and kind of recharge our own batteries, Right, we can't give our fullest to them, right? And so I think about you know when you come home uh, from work, right? You, it's time to unplug, right? You got to set that phone down. You got to be intentional about what you're trying to accomplish. And right then, it's it's family time, right? So you put your phone down. Um, I, I read an article just the other day. It said that uh, we spend three and a half hours a day on our phone, right? And you hear. You know, dads say, I don't have time, I work too much, or I just don't have time. You know, well, set your phone down and you'll gain three and a half hours. So 
That sounds like a low end too number yeah, on yeah. three and a half hours. Yeah. I'm like, good for you. <laughs> well, and I think too, you got there's people who have our jobs are vastly different because there's jobs who where you get home and it, you're, you're nine to five or eight to five, right. whatever it is, and you can clock out. You know, mascotting, I couldn't do that. There was always, mm-hmm. you know, I'm working in the evenings or I'm working. It was varied mm-hmm. throughout the day when I was, you know, running the trampoline parks. Same kind of thing. If the trampoline park is open, I'm probably going to get a call at some point from, you know, something happens or they need to have a question answered. So you do have to, not everyone is exactly the same where you can just shut it off when you get home, but you can't use that as an excuse to like, well, I have to be here. You know, I have to do this. That's a good point. Like, did you ever find that it was hard, like the guy that's maybe listening that works all the time, they're like, I don't have time for hobbies. Like, was that a struggle for you <laughs> on the opposite on the opposite end? You know, yeah. like if you're yeah. working so well, much and you need to be recharged, like you don't have that outlet. You don't have that, that outlet yeah. to recharge, and you're right. like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Well, and I know for me that mascotting was a hobby. Like, it, mm-hmm. I was getting to do a lot of those fun things that I would have done as a hobby, not um, you know, not getting paid to do. And so for me, it was the mindset shift of. Yes, I'm doing this for work, but this is really fun, and right. I'm being recharged while I'm doing this. So I don't really need to go home and go mountain biking for an hour because I I just was mountain biking in this video for an hour, and, you know, having fun doing it. Uh, so it, it really that justification. I can always justify I need something else, but if I really looked at it, I could, could see that. Hey, side note, really quick. Is that thing ventilated? Like you got a little, you got like a little fan in there, like an AC no, no fan. fan, but it, no, it was it was hot. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah here here's a, a you know, this is top secret though, but underneath the the uniform, there's no fur. Uh, so underneath the uniform, there's no fur because you know why? Well, yeah, I'm not taking yeah. the jersey off yeah. anytime. Yeah, so right. why have fur underneath there? So, oh, there you go. Oh, okay. Don't tell anyone. Okay. <laughs> Foster has all I kinds of so questions. I'm going I'm 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 to move on. I'm going to move on because I know you too well. Um, and I, th- this question has been like been posed to several different um, groups of guys that I've been sitting in with. Is like, hey, what are your hobbies? And they're like, I've got kids. That's like yeah. the that's, that's yeah. The, yeah. the reaction to it. And I, I think that to convince someone that, that doesn't have any time is like, oh, you need to go play golf so many, like that's just too much. What are you doing to get rest and rejuvenation in your life? Is there something that's providing that back to you that's not tied necessarily to a paycheck that you need to, to have? And so what is it, what are you doing in your life? And there is a big difference between um, a hobby or rest and rejuvenation versus laziness. And so what are you chasing after? Because I, I truly pro- uh, believe that God provides the rest to us instead of us chasing that. And that's when it becomes bad is that you've just you've, you've spent four hours and you've had nothing to, to, to pay back for it, like nothing to, to show from that four hours you spent watching a movie, unless you do feel rejuvenated and rested. And so when you get back from your hobby, are you... Are you just blitzed? Are you worthless to your family? I would say maybe check your check your hobby or just play the front nine. I don't know what it is. So. <laughs> or just the driving range. Yeah, I do have a friend who was really big into golf. And then when he had his three kids were all pretty young, that was the time, that season of life where he just knows, I can't, I can't even just do nine. That's too long. But right after work, I can swing by. 
I swing by and actually swing, you know, go hit the, the driver. I didn't mean to do that. But yeah. Well, and I like too, like how you said, uh, I, you know, you, you get your kids involved in some of these activities. And sometimes you, you may have an activity that you like, or you may find that your kids have an activity that you could also enjoy. So I, I think about in, in my family is that we go on adventures. How can we bring the whole family along on an adventure? And so there could be some, some nice, um, having some separation from some of those people, but how can you um, how can you bring people along into the adventure, whether it be your family or some other friends? I also look for ways that, that we can really share the gospel or share our lives with people through the hobbies that we have, because very few of them are individualistic, and you've made some great contacts with people. Um, how do we how do we really share our lives with others in that? And, and I think any hobby that I can think of, except for fishing, that's a solo thing. But um, you could do that with other people, and it creates a lot of white space for you to have really interesting conversations that you wouldn't have before. Um, and so I look I look for hobbies that that provide some of those. And you made a, a good point earlier when you're talking about integrating our families. I think it's also important that we're also teaching our children the importance of the fine things that they love and enjoy and find refreshment in. And so I, I'm a dance dad. So you barbecue <laughs> and then dance. Is that a part too? <laughs> and so we do a lot of dancing in our living room or dinner table. Like the kitchen becomes the stage for my daughters and they just love performing. And so I try to also strike that balance of going, like, I want to get into what they're into, into world. not necessarily, yeah. I don't want to become a dancer, but I'm yeah. just saying, yeah. like, I'm going to get it, I'm going to champion that passion that in the season of life that they're in. Love that. Uh, I think we could probably go all day talking about this topic, but we've got to get back to work, as Mark, <laughs> as Mark reminded me earlier. Um, so I, I do, you know, I was thinking about, Paul, let's say Paul or, or you know, any of the apostles, um, what would they think about that spoke analogy? What would they think about work-life balance? What would they think about uh, hobbies and passions? And I, and I don't want to read too much into it. I'm probably projecting my own thoughts and ideas into it. But I wonder if Paul would say, it's not necessarily the balance of your life. Maybe that's not the question you should ask. The question you should ask is, as a dad, who are you becoming? And I think as a dad, our goal in our job description is to seek the Lord, to strive to make the right priorities, and then to lead with love and humility. And I think if we're, if we're doing those things, if we're seeking the Lord, we're leading with love and humility, those priorities get more and more clear. And so who are we becoming maybe is the ultimate question to the work-life balance. And, uh, you know, Paul in 1 Thessalonians, he instructed them to make it their ambition to lead a quiet life. And I love that phrasing of a quiet life, an ordinary life. Stop pushing myself. Stop when it's appropriate. You know, like, right. like strive and have goals, but stop looking for that next thing. Lead a quiet life is actually an ordinary life, which is a blessed life. And then I want to read a benediction as we close. In 1 Thessalonians, uh, he's writing to the church. In chapter 5, it's, he says this, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it.